Welcome to The End Game, a podcast about the positive aspects of aging with grace, with joy, and with purpose. I'm your host, Don Auction. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get on with today's show. My guest today on The End Game podcast is Gary Allen Foster. Gary is an executive recruiter, a retirement and career transitions coach, a writer, and a speaker. He describes this whirlwind of activities as semi-retirement. For many years, Gary has maintained a blog on his website, Make Aging Work, where he has written incisively about all aspects of aging and living in retirement. Gary, thanks for taking time to talk to us today. Well, I've been looking forward to this, Don. Thanks, uh, thanks for the compliment of inviting me. Oh, sure. Now, Gary, as I understand it, neither executive recruiting nor career coaching is your original career field. So how did you get to where you are today? I guess I kind of stumbled into it, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I, I guess just a, a quick backdrop. I uh, I, uh, I bought the 20th century linear life model, which said, you know, I get an education, get a job, get a house, get a get a wife, get a Labrador retriever and a fence yard and all that sort of stuff. But uh, so I, honestly, I, I invested about 35 years in that, that trail uh, across several industries, um, primarily in sales and marketing uh, had done okay. You know, uh, I ended up in the telecom business the last 17 years of my corporate career with a company that you may, may remember called MCI, which became WorldCom, which became uh, bankruptcies and jailings and all sort of crazy things. It was the en- it was the Enron era. So I uh, I took an early retirement from that uh, twenty years ago at age sixty and uh, decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I guess not fully realizing that I was poorly equipped to do so. Uh, you know, corporate life had not done much to train me as an entrepreneur. So I. I chose to get into the recruiting business, uh, which is a an admirable profession. Uh, I got into the healthcare recruiting, uh, self-employed. I was what I call a single, single recruiter. And uh, yeah, I kind of struggled with that, quite honestly. I, uh, it was kind of a 10, 15 year discovery process that acquainted me with the fact that it's probably not the best thing for me to do uh, because I, there are two sides to recruiting. You have to, you have to go out and find clients and job orders and then you had to find candidates to fill those and I didn't care much for the hunt if you will for the job orders but I found myself uh, really uh, I enjoyed engaging candidates that were in transition uh, in their careers Uh, ended up helping them with resumes and you know some career coaching and that sort of thing and and that's how I ended up in there and and just to kind of set the record straight I, I have stepped away from the recruiting world here fairly recently and have focused my efforts more on the career coaching and resume uh, development and LinkedIn strategy development with clients. Uh, And that has continued to be focused in the healthcare field, working with uh, uh, executive levels of people within the healthcare environment. Uh, And that really kind of is an evolution of, uh, I think, coming to grips with what I'm best at. And uh, it took me, <laughs> I'm not suggesting this to people that you take into your 60s and 70s to figure out what you, how you're really wired up. <laughs> but that's kind of really what happened for me is that I had to, uh, at some point in time, I had to just acknowledge that there are certain things that lit me up that I thought I was pretty good at. 
uh, and that I should I should continue to pursue that. So that's really kind of what has taken me to where I am uh, at this point, which okay. is, as, as I've indicated to you, and I think that's one of the things you want to talk about, I, I kind of put myself in that semi-retirement mode, if you will, uh, at, at this point. So I hope that gives you enough backdrop to get us started here. Yeah, sure. And and I think of executive recruiting as being a fairly traditional field, at least traditional in the sense that you're placing high achieving professionals in positions where they're gonna further their careers. But I've heard you also express some non-traditional views about how our careers and our retirement are playing out. Maybe something different from the linear uh, career path that you talked about starting on in the beginning. So. Can you elaborate on what your thinking is now? Well, yeah, and I think you get it. It, it would maybe help your listeners to understand. I mean, I, let me dial the camera back again, and just by way of uh, insight as to where I've ended up, where I am today with with regard to my views on this. I, I you know, I'm a product of the '50s. I mean, I'm older than most. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pre-boomer, if you would, mm -hmm. if you would. And and I grew up in a small town, rural America, in the southeast corner of Wyoming. And my surroundings were retirement was never a discussion topic. I mean, the, the people I was surrounded by, uh, the people that I observed, didn't talk about retirement. In fact, they just they worked till they couldn't. So I didn't, you know, I didn't enter later phase of my life with this strong retirement sort of orientation. And then there were several things along the way that influenced my my attitude toward retirement in general. And and I want to say on the front end, which I think you probably already know, I I I'm really not a, an advocate of the traditional retirement model that we've been. Uh, indoctrinated with over the last 50 years, but it was in, I was influenced not only by the way what I observed as I was growing up, but I had some things that occurred in my life that influenced it. My father-in-law, for example, died 10 months to the day after he retired after 45 years with one company. Wow. And And there were no indications that he was in ill health, but I do remember him just kind of drifting you know that he he just he, he just really didn't have an anchor point and he kind of he missed the relationships that he had at work and all that sort of thing and that's a small part but then in the 80s i got heavily immersed into the whole self-development world if you if you go back far enough you may remember that that really is when it kind of really kind of caught fire with the Brian Tracy's and, and, you know, folks like that. And I got into that. And one, one of the things that I discovered now was frankly that I, I looked at some of the high achievers on the planet. Uh, and, and there was kind of a consistent theme there with them that, that they never, they never stepped away from the creative process. In other words, they kept creating and frankly, retirement wasn't a part of their lifestyle. They just continued to, to create until they, you know, as I say, when the universe decided to take their parts back. So, mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I said, well, you know, maybe there's, maybe this whole retirement thing isn't as good as people <laughs> say it is. So I've been influenced along the way. And, and the deeper I've gotten into this, the more I've read, the more I've studied it, you know, I, I can see that there, 
I, I believe there's a downside to traditional retirement, and I think more people are realizing that, and they're they're finding alternatives to what I call off the cliff retirement or full stop retirement. So that's where I come from. Uh, I essentially kind of adapted that in my own life. Uh, I decided back in my 40s that I wasn't going to retire in a traditional sense and have continued to allow that to play out in my life. So that's why I consider myself uh, semi-retired. So I hope that backdrop helps your listeners okay. understand where I'm coming from on it. You, uh, I've heard you talk about the 2040-20 um, as being sort of the traditional idea. And I guess that means 20 years of school and 40 years of working. 20 years of um, living in that deck chair and uh, and drinking margaritas by the sunset. There you go. So do you see a different kind of scheme that would replace that? Well, I, I do. I think there's, you know, Ken Dykewald, who is one of the of age wave, uh, is one of my virtual mentors, if you will. And, you know, he... He talks about replacing the linear life model, which is what you've just described, the 2040-20, which is, I heard it described yesterday as learn, earn, burn. Mm. Uh, that, uh, you know, replace that with a cyclical uh, life cycle in which you, you, know, move, you move in and out of those, those components, if you will, throughout your life, as opposed to kind of going off the cliff at that traditional age 65 into full stop retirement. And I think that's where people have a problem today. And that's really why I don't advocate it because I think there, it's a little bit, you know, retirement's a little bit like an iceberg. Uh, so little of it's visible until you get engaged. And there's just a lot of things going on under the surface of the retirement that people haven't thought through, uh, haven't experienced, don't have guideposts, quite frankly. I mean, you know, you know, where, where are you getting your retirement advice? Well, if you're fortunate enough to have engaged a financial planner, they've done a stellar job of putting your money together, you know, and taking care of that component. But it doesn't go beyond that. And they're not equipped. I mean, they're good at what they do, but they're not, they're not psychotherapists. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, but they're not equipped to really talk about the non-financial side of retirement and I think that's where uh, that's where problems frankly can can pop up is and, and we know that traditionally two out of three couples or individuals go into their retirement with no non-financial plan you know they may have everything done well on the financial side but they haven't thought about things like okay what if our what if our retirement is staggered if, if both if both parties are working. What's it like if one quits before the other? Are we going to do this together? You know, what is it that really lights us up as we go forward? Is that going to be different as we get older? Do we have to plan for the kids? Are we going to relocate? I mean, there's just so many things that a financial planner is not inclined to talk about. Uh, they're getting better at that. I think a lot of them are beginning to think now, okay, we need to look at a more holistic side of my client's life. So that's kind of, I guess, where I come down. If I if I do end up doing any retirement coaching, I would kind of zero in on those things. Have you thought about X, Y, Z, and so on and so forth? So I think I'm I'm kind of drifting around here, Don. But I um, well, I, I, 
I think that that 204020 uh, hasn't served as well. And I think it's evolving. I think people are questioning it now. And I think we're seeing that in statistics of the people that are continuing to, um, I guess, round out their lives being involved in something, whether it's traditional work or volunteer work or whatever, they're, they're looking at that final phase of their life as being something that they can continue to be productive in. So, Well, that makes a great segue to the question I wanted to ask, which is the kind of challenges that your clients present to you. What are the, what are the kinds of issues that they're having at, as they approach the end of their work careers? That's a good question. I guess maybe the best way I can respond to that is when I think about the folks I've engaged on this topic, it's it's frankly just uh, uncertainty or confusion. I mean, you know what? I mean, I, what I hear, I think most common is that look, I I'm not sure the idea of doing nothing has a strong appeal for me. <laughs> But I, you know, I don't know where to go with that. And, and maybe, maybe an example would be helpful here. I, I had the, I had the pleasure of engaging a couple in Canada. This was last year. Uh, there, he was a very successful entrepreneur. Had a very strong manufacturing business that he had built and uh, had, had built, and was at a point where he had to decide what he wanted to do with it. Forty years of success. It, you know, had everything all together in terms of financial, they had a great lifestyle. His wife had helped him build the business. And then as it built, she then came home, raised the kids, did kind of that traditional household thing. And they had, you know, a wonderful home that they designed and built together. They had a vacation home on a lake. I mean, all the parts and pieces were in place. But I, so I, so I'm saying, John, you know, why are you, why are you engaging me? And he said, well, he says, I suffer from FOMO. I said, what do you mean, fall? He said, fear of missing out. He says, I, I really don't know what to expect now that I'm at this point where I'm probably going to, in some way or another, step away from my business. I don't know what that's going to look like for me or what I should be thinking about and all that sort of thing. And his wife was sharing some of that same concern. You know, what what is our life going to be like if, in fact, we do sell the business or our kids come in and take over the business or whatever? So that there was this void, I think, in terms of, okay, I don't know what guidepost to use here. He said, I, they were quick to say, you know, we're not inclined to, you know, hit the easy chair. That's just not our lifestyle. But at the same time, we'd like to do some world travel. We'd like to go to Spain for six weeks, or we'd like to go to Australia for six weeks. So there, what, what bubbled to the surface here, I think there were just a lot of questions that they some they hadn't thought about, some they thought about and didn't know what to do with. So my intent was just to really kind of, you know, try to be a guide. I mean, I don't have all the answers by any stretch, but just simply to be a guide and say, okay, uh, you know, there's some exercises I put them through. But I think at the heart, going back to the start of your question here, it was just really this, this uncertainty, this, this, in his case, fear of missing out. Uh, you know, I want to do this right. I don't want to, I don't want to, and he did alert to this, is I don't want to end up like a couple of my uh, former business associates have ended up. I've watched them, you know, go the full retirement route and they run into all kinds of problems, health problems, 
family relationship problems, things like that. He says, I don't want to go there. I says, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just looking for some answers as to how I can avoid that sort of thing. And I, I think, and I, I've had a couple of conversations with attorneys here recently in which they said, you know, tired of the, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the courtroom. Uh, I want to scale back. I think I want to take less challenging cases. But if I do that, I don't know how to fill the gap on the other end. Yeah. So, you know, and I think it really even becomes kind of a question of, okay, uh, and this is where I, I tend to kind of instinctively take people is, okay, so what are you at your core? Right. You understand what I mean by that? I mean, yeah. what, what is what is your essence? Uh, and, and then I, you know, frankly, I can apply that from a personal perspective. It was my discovery uh, or having to acknowledge, frankly, what I was at my core to then guide me for, for the balance of whatever it is I've got left. And who knows that, you know, it could be over tomorrow. But um, so I think that that's one of the things that I have found helpful for people is to say, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's time for a little bit of an inventory here. You know, what lights you up that you could maybe do for the next 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever um, yeah. may, may be ahead of you. So, um, Great. Hope that makes sense. <laughs> it does. Well, your your client that you used as an example is obviously a planner, and I have a theory that that the world divides evenly between people who are planners and people who are unplanners, of which I am a proud member. Uh, you know, we just stumble into things and then pivot or pivot or pivot. You know, till we find what works for us. Um, you as I understand it, sort of prefer the plan model, plan it ahead. Is that right? That may be, yeah, that may be giving me too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I guess there was some of that, but it, it really was just really more like stumbling into some self-discovery. Um, you know, I had to acknowledge as I struggled with making my recruiter business successful, and, and, and you know, I never, never, I never knocked the cover off the ball in the recruiting world. And I know a lot of people who do, and I love the profession. A lot of respect for people who are successful. But I had to come face to face with the fact that there are certain things that really do kind of light me up, and that I know I'm pretty good at. And one of them was writing. So, you know, that's one of the things that's kind of drawn me to the resume writing world. But it's also what drew me to deciding. <laughs> One day, just say, okay, well, I'm going to start a blog. I'm just going to start putting myself out there. <laughs> and because I had a few things to say, I am by at my core, I'm a skeptic and an iconoclast. Um, you know, I, I've always kind of sought the non-traditional routes and a lot of things. And this seemed to resonate with me. But I think just when, and I, I mean, you're in the same boat. A lot of people are. You take your life experiences and you think about, okay, what what's worked, what hasn't. What are you observing that, you know, could maybe use some attention? Good heavens in our society today. A lot of things need attention. But I just felt like, okay, I got a, I got a message. I got a voice. I got something I want to say. So why not just put it out there? And I've been doing that for six years. Right now it's on hold, as you know, as I, I want to give it a facelift. But that's been gratifying, not only from the perspective of the responses that I've gotten to what I've written, but it's just... When you when you do it, and I know when you think about doing your podcast, this is part of the reason that you do it. 
I think probably is for your own personal development and growth. And also getting message out to people on things that, that they tend not to hear if they're just adhering to traditional media, you know, with with messages and, and, and stories that need to be heard. So I am just extraordinarily small corner of all that, but that's where I wanted to go with this. So, and that overlaps, that overlaps with the coaching that I, you know, having the opportunity, believe me, when you engage a, a physician, a successful physician, uh, you know, you're on a different playing field. You really are, or a hospital CEO or that sort of thing. And you end up helping them with their career documentation. Yeah, it calls on you to be pretty creative, but it also introduces an opportunity to perhaps plant some seeds with them because they're going to be facing these sorts of decisions somewhere down the road as right. well. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, for me, that's what it got down to. I said, you know, I, I just have to acknowledge that this is what lights me up and I, I need to follow that. Uh, and so far, it's been working. It's a it's a work in progress, but uh, it it's better than kind of wandering around saying, "Okay, what do I do tomorrow?" Well, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do more of what I did today, and I'm going to do it better. Uh, so that's a good answer. Well, I hope it makes sense. I don't, it may not for everybody, but no. It it well, I certainly resonate with it because I had well, I had a fairly circular career experience to begin with. I didn't follow a straight line uh, from the time I left college. So following a crooked line through semi-retirement is perfectly in keeping <laughs> with, with what I've experienced. Uh, and it took me two or three, four years to really find what has fit for me. But I mean, I got there. It, it just it took a lot of fumbling and a lot of missteps to, to figure out what wasn't working and find what did. Let me, let me ask you something else along a different line. Um, for those of us who haven't tried to jump into retirement or whatever, who are still at midlife, are there some steps we should be taking now that would make it easier for us to make a transition later? Oh boy, talk about a fertile fertile ground for discussion. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the part of my reason for putting my my current blog kind of on hold is that in, in addition to kind of wanting to refresh it and do a, do a facelift, I, I really kind of want to put a little bit more emphasis on those folks in that midlife period, as you just mentioned, because if I'm going to try to get some of my viewpoints, say on retirement, for example, to a a 75-year-old or a 78-year-old, um, eh, eyes tend to go glassy, okay. if you know what I mean. It's yeah. like penetrating a concrete block up here because, you know, am I saying it's too late? Well, not totally, but for the most part, I don't think my message uh, is really so much geared for someone who's already either bought into traditional retirement or is a ways down the road where a lot of the things that I propose yeah, frankly, maybe a little bit late. So I think a key time really to reach people when we start talking about the second half of life, whether it involves retirement or not, and I hope it doesn't, uh, 
is when we begin, to, we need to open dialogue, I think, with people in that, whether it's 45, 50, 55, maybe even into 60, about are you thinking about what you want the rest of this to look like? Because let's be real here. If you're 55 and you've been taking care of yourself, which is somewhat doubtful, by the way, <laughs> uh, if you've been taking care of yourself, you know, you may be right at or close to the midpoint of your life. Okay. And a good chance that you have upwards of 50 to 60% of your adult life ahead of you. So you have to ask the question there, okay, so what am I going to do with that? Well, you know, 30 years of beach and, and bocce ball and bingo and bridge, whatever, doesn't sound that attractive. Um, so I think that's the message, but I think there's an, an even bigger message, and that is this whole midlife thing is is critical. It's a critical transition period for all of us. And I don't think you can deny the fact that things start changing at that mid mid 40s to 50s. The body starts changing. Uh, values start changing. We, we start hearing different questions in our heads. Uh, <laughs> I may have shared with you the one that really tripped it for me. I can remember back in my 50s when I heard someone say, don't forget that the number of people that will attend your funeral is going to be largely determined by the weather. And I, that, and I that's grim. <laughs> well, and I, you know, and I thought about that. Well, there's, gosh, there's just a lot of truth in that. You know, if, uh, you know, and if you, you get into your 60s or 70s and you look back and say, what's this been all about? You know, what, what am I going to leave a footprint? Well, maybe a little bit late to do that, but I can start now. But if you start thinking about that in your 40s and 50s at that midlife point, and you're no doubt familiar with the U-curve of happiness of you, you're familiar with that. I am. When we know that the nadir or the very the very bottom of happiness occurs in most of our lives at around 40, age 47. And it gets much, much better and is happiest in its 60s, 70s, and 80s. So that that doesn't seem to resonate for people who are in that 47 age range. But then it's also, I think, when you, we begin to have to address some important questions. When I'm coaching someone in that, that range, I will always start on the health end of it because whatever the journey may look like, if you're not in good shape, if you're not healthy, that journey is going to be unpleasant. So I'm, I'm a very strong health and wellness advocate. I'm well-read in that area, and I'm, I'm not a clinician, but I do like to guide people into questioning, okay, what are you going to do going forward? Do you know where you are from a health perspective? Do you have the benchmarks established? Do you have the right kind of relationships? But more importantly, what are you doing to take care of yourself? And how are you going to do that going forward? Because it's going to get tougher. It is going to get tougher. You've got to go into that ladder, the second half of life with an awareness of how important that is, not only just the physical, but also cognitive. So, you know, we kind of we have to start early, kind of offsetting those things that can drag us down. And frankly, and this doesn't make any friends, uh, I think thinking retirement, when you mix that into the equation, I don't think you're helping yourself. Because we do know that, that work of some sort especially self-fulfilling and meaningful work is a key component of longevity. People who work and continue to work tend to live longer and they live, they live healthier. 
So I want to reach people in that age range that are in that transition point with a message built around having a health span to go with the lifespan. I suspect you're familiar with the rather discouraging statistics that we have within this country. We are the sickest. We are the sickest country of all developed countries. Uh, we have on average 12 and a half years of ill health toward the end of our lives. That's the most of any developed country. Uh, and frankly, those are an offshoot of lifestyles in the, the years preceding that. So I like to reach people with the message, it's not too late if you're in your 40s and 50s, make some lifestyle adjustments, which should bode well for you having a good health span to go with your lifespan. So that's at the core of what I'm trying to get people to convince, but to, to think about. But also with it, I say, you know, okay, what what is happiness? Well, how do you define happiness? Well, happiness is not a destination. It's a journey. You know, you have to figure out what it is that that is satisfying for you. Let me ask you this, Gary. Are, are you busier in your so-called semi-retirement than you were when you worked full-time? I can be as busy as I want to be. Am I busier now than when I worked in corporate life? Yeah, I think there are probably times when I am, uh, but I can turn it up or turn it down since it's my business and yeah. you know I, I control it. So there are times in my attempt to satisfy my clients, I can force myself into being really busy and it could be a 60 or 70 hour week. Uh, at the same time, it can kind of ebb and flow. But also, if I choose to play golf tomorrow, I'll go play golf. Or if I want to take a few days, my wife and I go on a short trip, we can do that. I like that aspect of having my own business, uh, doing what I like to do, and and I can control it. So I, it's not a great answer to your question, but I can be I can be busier than I recall myself being in the corporate world. Uh, but I also just like that that flexibility, if you will, of of essentially being as busy as I want to be. Gary, it has been a real pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, I hope there's an element of that in there. Uh, you know, I the older I get, the more I discover how much I don't know. And that's humbling. You know, I, I guess maybe my last comment would be, I think at some point in time, we just simply have to acknowledge the fact that we are wired up to serve. Our societal dictates don't necessarily take us in that direction. But when we get to a point, typically in midlife, that sort of thing begins to bubble to the surface. You know, like, why am I alive? Um, you know, do, do I want to leave a footprint? Uh, you know, we, we are what succeeds us. So that's a lot of what drives me. But thank you for, for giving me the... Uh, the opportunity to pontificate, which is what I feel like I've done a lot of today. It, it has been enjoyable and, and enlightening. And so, you can read more about Gary Allen Foster at his website, makeagingwork.com. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Endgame, at theendgame.substack.com. I'm Don Auction, wishing you all the best in aging with grace, 
with joy, and with purpose. I hope you'll join us for future programs here at The Endgame.